It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Today, I'm talking with Lee Bartlett. Lee's a sales expert, entrepreneur, and author of a new book titled The Number One Best Seller. Catchy title, Lee. Um, so, it <laughs> really sets, sets the tone for people. So, Lee is joining us from, you're in the UK, where are you in London? I'm in central London, yep. Central London, yep, right okay. Now. So, who's your, football, yep. who's your football team? Well, I can actually see into the Arsenal Stadium. Okay, so. so from, from, from where I live, yeah. And there's so the big, I, big North London be, derby this weekend, right? <laughs> there is, yeah. Okay. There is. It's, it's not a fun place to be when the crowds uh, ascend because okay. uh, I live right in the thick of it. But uh, so, yeah, it's so very nice. Using the vernacular, you're a gooner. Uh, I'm a gooner. That's right. You are a gooner. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm Beautiful. Big fo- I'm a big football fan. So okay. So Ali, uh, welcome to Accelerate. Now that we got sidetracked. All that. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So maybe take a minute. Introduce people. Uh, introduce yourself to the people. Sure. Well, um, I've just authored my first book, as you said, the number one bestseller. Um, It's a book about uh, my interpretation of sales excellence and specifically what top salespeople do differently from their colleagues and their competition. Now, um, there's an enormous wealth of, of sales literature and sales information out there, sales resources. And I wanted to create something unique, Andy. So what I did was I looked over the, the first 15 years of my sales career. I was uh, lucky enough to have a very successful sales career. And I tried to isolate exactly what I did that allowed me to consistently win the largest mandates in my industry. Now, the focus of the book isn't on sales skills. Uh, you can get that from one of these uh, vast array of resources. But it's on kind of the glue. So how does a salesperson take sales skills and combine them with a mindset and a strategy to consistently work themselves to the top of any sales organization. So I hope that that's uh, well represented in the book, and uh, I'm delighted to be here and, and to talk to you about it. Well, good. Well, happy to have you with us. And Thanks. Uh, especially Thanks. since we get to talk a little football and all that. So, <laughs> yeah. Football in the European sense, right? So That's uh, right. <laughs> unless you're a big National Football League fan, I mean, have you gone to the games in, in London? Uh, not lately. No, okay. no, right. I've, 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 uh, taken my eye off the ball a bit, so to speak, okay. pardon the pun, but, right. yeah, uh, no but, but I'm sure I'll be winter's coming and the season's about to begin time to, uh, re-engage. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, early in your book, you talk about your definition of hitting the target, which I thought was, was an interesting perspective and one that uh, mm-hmm. we should talk about because I think it raises a bunch of other questions that are also worth discussing, which is, so one, you talk about uh, your definition of hitting target is based on hitting your personal goals and not necessarily those of the company. So explain what yep. you meant by that. Well, I always found that it was, uh, well, I always had a personal financial goal in mind when I worked. So uh, I kind of looked at, at companies that I worked for in sales as, as almost an investment of my time. And so, so what I wanted to do was maximize my earnings. I, I was never shy about admitting that. So I, I had a goal in mind. Uh, I would do extensive research before joining a company, and I would decide myself kind of how much I could earn. Um, and then when I went to the company, I had done so much back extrapolation. I was confident that I could deliver on what I said I could deliver in the company targets. But I tried to work towards something bigger, and that allowed me to do two things. First of all, it allowed me to see beyond 
the company expectations of me. But it also allowed me to kind of detach emotionally from whatever was going on within the company and, uh, and work towards a higher purpose. So many of the things that, that you hear like, um, you know, how do I stay motivated? Uh, how, what's the mechanism for hitting my targets? Um, I was able to, to formulate that before even stepping foot into the company and work towards this goal. So my motivation was intrinsic. It was, it was channeled towards something else. And all the other kind of obstacles that, that tend to stumble people along the way, I always just blasted through them because I was focused on something bigger. So that's what I meant by that. Um, and then I think also in the, in the uh, introduction, I say that um, you know, my definition of hitting target is, is how much money hits my bank account. Um, I found that there are a number of ways. It sounds quite crass, but it's not crass. But there's a number of ways to define a top salesperson. You could say, well, they converted 70% of the deals that they pitched uh, as opposed to someone else converting 50%. And you could twist kind of sales statistics any way you wanted to. But what you can't twist and what you can't um, alter is how much you're paid. So, so to me, the top salesperson was the person that earned the most because that was the one sort of driving thing that, that couldn't be uh, manipulated. Well, it's interesting because there's a lot of debate in terms of hiring sales candidates is to say, look, yeah. you know, if someone, if you're interviewing someone and they're purely money motivated, you know, there's some people yeah. that say, yeah, you want to stay away from those people because, yeah. you know, the, <laughs> it's not necessarily focused necessarily on the outcomes that you want to achieve. Other people say, well, you know, money is just sort of a byproduct is really my goal is, you know, I want to achieve certain things or I want to be of service to my customers or if I, you know, if I, optimize my knowledge and skills and service my customers and do that to the best of my ability, then I'm, yeah, I'm going to make a ton of money. So, I agree with you. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's like, what's really the goal? Well, the goal, it's not that it's out of sync. So, so what I tried to do was right, I right, let, me rephr- my, let me rephrase it. Go this. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Across a broader spectrum is, you know, for people listening to the show is, you know, we talk about this issue and you, you raise the question, the, the word motivation. Yeah. Motivation mm. is, is internally generated, I believe. Right, mm-hmm. you can't be externally motivated. You're internally motivated. So, what what are the best motivators? I mean, is it is it a passion for what you're doing, or is it a passion for making money? Um, it's it, it's both. I mean, it's not like any of them are out of sync. Um, I was just very clear about my my direction and what I wanted, and uh, that was to maximize my earnings. Now, it just so happens that maximizing your earnings and being a top salesperson is directly related to caring more than anybody else. And responding better than anybody else, and all the other things that support that. So you, you you can't just walk into a business and go, I just want to earn the most. I mean, that's just that is crass and it's arrogant. But but you you align. I always aligned my expectations with those of the company. The company want X million dollars of new business. You want you know you, you then calculate and agree on your commission rate and, and your basic salary. And then you, you're all aligned. And then you go to town, you go, you go to um, the business of getting the job done. And that involves caring a lot more about people and your customer and being intrinsically motivated and all of the things that, that, that are channeled towards achieving that. So it's not, it's not as uh, cavalier and, uh, and, and crass as it sounds, Andy. It's, um, yeah, sorry. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. wasn't again yeah. being crass or cavalier. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but but the yeah. the thing that that served the second question to that. This is a topic that that yeah, I've been talking about more on this show and and with uh, other folks off the show is is you know we're sort of 
entering into this this age where there's you know greater amounts of technologies. You and I talked about this before we came on the air. Greater yeah. amounts of sales technologies being applied to the process um, is, and you know the processes become a little more rigid. So in your case, I mean you you really put in place, and and I think back to my own my own days. You know, as yeah. as salesperson in the field is is yeah, there was a process, but ultimately I did what I thought was the best process for me, not necessarily adhering strictly to what the company wanted, even though aligned in terms of the goals, but not necessarily with the process. And so the question yeah. is, is it you know, is it okay? Because you know, reading through the book, you know, you you come across a little bit as sort of a lone wolf in some cases. Mm. Um, not that you weren't a team player, but I mean, yeah, you know, it comes across a little bit that, and I think. Top salespeople sometimes have that, right? As, as they are different, perhaps, than some of the their peers that they're working with in terms of their perspectives on things. And the question is, as a manager, you know, how much do you encourage that or how much do you try to dissuade that? Because you can't necessarily have a whole pack of lone wolves out there. But in some cases, that's that's the best thing. You know, should salespeople feel empowered to sort of you know have their own ways of getting things done if they can achieve the same aims as the company and achieve their personal goals? Well, it's uh, it's an enormous topic, isn't it? Um, I mean, I never I never set the rules. So I've worked in various different environments. I've worked in enterprise sales. I've worked in transactional sales for very high value transactions, very short lead time from pitch to decision. Um, and, and the rules of the industry and the company are defined. So all I ever did when I went into a new uh, a new job or a new role was to look to the current top salesperson and see how they were playing the game better. So uh, you know they they seem to be able to have, well they have they're the top salespeople they've taken what's available to them and they've they've made it work for them as best they can. Now I don't know any top salespeople ever that I've met who aren't money motivated. So so. That, that intrinsic motivation to maximize your earnings as well as do a great job is absolutely key. So when I used to hire salespeople, I was more interested in, in how hungry they were than I was. You can teach the rest. The rest is easily taught. But are they going to respond quickly? Are they going to look to maximize not only their own earnings, but the earnings of the company because they're in sync? So it's, it's a kind of big debate, right? It's, uh, it's big. So I could only represent how I felt and how I approached it within the book. Mm-hmm. And that that was that, that that's I only speak for myself <laughs> always. So that was how I navigated these various different environments. I went in, I learned the rules, and then I ended up doing them better than anybody else. So I, I kind of feel like I just became a product of of my environments in each case. I certainly didn't um, work against the company rules or disrespect them. I well, just no, had I my own, my yeah, own agenda. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't advocating that because you know you have yeah, to yeah. be, able to be no, a team player. That. But there's there's yeah. ways to get things done, and you yeah, certainly right. refer to that in terms of the strategies you put together. That at least in reading the book, it was like, yeah, and they were pretty unique to you, and they fit your skills and your strengths. And yeah. my question was really motivated by I think you know I see environments more often these days than I used to in the past where that individuality is is being discouraged. Yeah. Yeah, but then how, how do you differentiate yourself? How do you, if, if you're just doing the same, if there's a strict process and you're doing the same as everybody else, what's the point in you? You can automate it, can't you? Well, to some so, degree, uh, except that there's yeah. a customer on the other end. I mean, that's the thing. It's the, you know, the customer, and I think that's one of the problems. Is, you know, I was yeah. just talking about this with a, a previous, another guest on a, uh, another episode I was just recording. 
is, you know, how do you keep people alive, salespeople alive to the variability? You know, when we increasingly yeah. are, are focusing salespeople on activities and process, yet, mm. you know, the people on the other end are still human and humans are all, you know, distinctly unique without being redundant about it. And well, how, do we, how do we keep people alive to this variability? Because that's really the diff- that's where you differentiate yourself. You recognize I mean, that. Uh, yeah, it has to be results driven as well, though, right? I mean, there were times when I was generating more than the rest of the team combined. Uh, so, so it's how, how can you then say, actually, Lee, step back and start doing it the same way as everybody else? It's you know, it, it, and it's all driven by the customer, right? All, all I did was went to the customer as kind of my tutor, and then asked them how they wanted to be sold to, and and. Uh, made sure my pitch aligned with their expectations. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing um, anything that was kind of revolutionary. I mean, I mean, really, I was just responding immediately to most things. I, was, I cared more than most people. I really, when I went into pitch, I really did care on the outcome for that customer. And that comes through. And, and what happens, as you know, is you, you start to build rapport, repeat business. It starts to grow. You become a trusted advisor. And, and, and it, it escalates from there. So, it's an interesting uh, topic and discussion. Um, well, and what inter- is, yeah. interesting point you brought up about, you know, weren't doing anything new and revolutionary. Yeah. Is, yeah, there isn't anything revolutionary. Is there <laughs> about selling? I mean, at the end of Not the day, I mean, certainly aspects of, you know, how we're applying some of the technology to be able to facilitate certain activities and actions and so on, which, you know, are great. I kind of wish, wish I'd had them when, when I was at that stage of my career. Yeah. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, when a person dealing with a person, it's it's what's changed. We're people. Yeah, and, and who do you want to work with? Well, I you know uh, I was uh, pitching products at one point in my career. I was pitching up to four times a day in what we call beauty parade scenarios. So I was back to back with three to four other competitors pitching for each transaction to to host the the, the transaction on my type of technology, um, and we were all kind of adequate doing the job. Well, so, you, you have an interesting so, story in the book about how you really pissed one off, one of your competitors off, in one of those situations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we can get onto that. I mean, but but how do you differentiate that? How do you uh, stand out in that crowd? And what it comes down to is, is who does the client want to work with more? If you can all do the same job, who's speaking my language? So, what I've tried to do in the book is show how I prepared to do these pitches. And then show how I was able to communicate with them on a level that they needed. I mean, when you go into a board level pitch, as you know, you're not in control. You're, you're, you're responsive. You, you can go in there with the, the, the strongest preconceived idea. You know, uh, this is my presentation. I'm going to do it for the next 45 minutes. But I've sat into board, boardrooms and said, look, guys, I'd love to ask you a few questions about the transaction. They've turned around and said, just get on with it, will you? Mm. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, you, you have to be flexible to be able to to handle these situations, to build rapport and to connect with these people. And what I've tried to do in the book is show the level of preparation and responsiveness that I, I would go to, to win these deals. And it, uh, it, it was compelling. I mean, uh, at one, in one particular year, I won over 90% of the deals that I pitched. So I was doing something differently, Andy. It's not a big I am. It's just a recognition that I was doing something very differently with a product with not too many huge discernible features. Mm-hmm. So, so it was to do with how I was dealing with them, how I was presenting the information, how I was uh, taking the deal to a conclusion. 
Uh, and then also how I was supporting them. You know, I'm not a pitch and leave kind of salesperson. When the deal's over, the deal is never over in my mind. You know, there's always more business behind it. Exactly. I'm a man. Of, I'm a man of my word. I like to do exactly what I said I would do. And when you start doing exactly what you say you're going to do in a high pressure transaction, and you're in the office with them night after night, all night, you become part of the team. So when the next deal comes up, there's no pitch. I want the guy that looked after us on that deal. So, so there's there's a process to this, and the process is. Um, is different by every type of sales role you do. But what I wanted to do was share my process of getting to that stage and then repeatedly winning these deals, the extra stuff that I did. Not, not, not uh, basic negotiation skills. You won't find that in my book. But kind of the, the, the magic, let's call it the magic. I hate to say that. I feel such a big head saying that. That's not how I mean it. But the extra stuff mm-hmm. that allows you to close these deals down. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I understood what you said by magic. I mean, that's yeah. I, mean, I think top performers develop that. Yeah, you know, especially yeah. you're talking about you know you want a high fraction of that business that year. It's it's like you know being in form if you're an athlete. You know, if you're a basketball player or soccer player or whatever, and you're you know you just can't stop scoring. Uh, and it's a great feeling. It's, it's why great sales feeling. is one of the best jobs in the world, right? I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. To 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 get it right and to keep hitting and, and keep scoring every you know pretty much every time you do it, it's and and that snowballs. So together with an, with an intrinsic motivation and the positive affirmation that comes behind winning deal after deal, it's it's a beautiful thing. And then you start to adapt your your sales process based on how the product is maturing and other competitors coming into the market and driving the price of your product down. But it's a process. We talk about is sales art or science. For me, it was science. I mean, I studied science at university. So I tried to quantify as many of the moving parts as possible and then build a strategy to be able to handle any situation. And, and that's what the book's trying to do. Sure. Share my, my strategy. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but, because this is, I've had this conversation with many people, is, True. I mean, you're taking a methodical mm-hmm. approach to it, but it, you yourself just use that word magic. It was the art of your app. At the end of the day, it was your art of your selling that prevailed. But I'm trying to explain that. You, I mean, you, that's, prepared, that's, you prepared that's it through. You prepared the art through science. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's like computer animation. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's science, but it's still art. Well, let, let, let's get into what what people call the magic. So, so what do you? So when when. Uh, a less experienced salesperson walks into a board board level pitch and I walk in, we probably both see two different things. Uh, they go in and they're probably thinking, or they potentially they're thinking, right, I've got 45 minutes to make my point. Um, you, you know, more experienced salespeople walk in and go, I'm third to pitch. These guys are probably sick of the sales drivel. We're looking at the look on each of their faces. We're trying to understand the power struggle. Who's the decision maker? How, you know, who's taking control of the meeting? What's the dynamic? Before we've even opened our mouths, we're trying to read the situation we're in. And I think that's probably what the magic, if there is any magic, uh, let's call it experience. Well, that, that's, that's the art. Probably, that's the art and craft, yeah. yes. That's what experience right. is, right? But it, it's, yeah, it, it, it's quantifiable. And it's, you know, I, I, could, I think I could take another salesperson and sit with them and say, right, when you walk in the room, this is what you look for. If, if their body language is closed, if the other one's aggressive, there's probably some sort of interaction going on. I, I think I can quantify it. So, so it, it, is it magic? It's a process that can be uh, gifted. You can pass it on. 
So that's what I've tried to do with the book as well. Try to, you know, these are the things that were really important in each of these scenarios. And as you've read, there's a bunch of deal scenarios in there. Um, and, and the reasons that I thought that I won them is behind that. So I, I thought it was important to share or mm-hmm. valuable to share these things. Yeah. And, and not to beat a dead horse on this whole art versus yeah. science thing, but yeah. my show, I can do it, is that, <laughs> that um, you know, to me, the analogy is, you know, let's say building an instrument, like let's say like a violin, building a violin, mm. that's a craft, that's an art. Yeah. Uh, or build, let's say it's a craft that, yeah, that can be gifted. You can teach people how to make violins that are, you know, make beautiful music, but there are only so many Stradivariuses. That was the art, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and, I agree. And that's, and that's, I think, what we sort of miss in sales is, yeah, we got a lot of people that can make violins, but not enough people that are Stradivariuses. Well, what we can do is we can go back and Stradivari- get people. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I wouldn't know the answer to that. Um, we can go back and we can get people to improve on these basic skills. And, and I don't mean basic skills. I mean on, on closing some of the gaps that glue the basic skills together. And, and that's, that's a good start because yeah, then it's a matter of application and experience. Right. Cause so. yeah, exactly right. Cause fundamentally when you got into that room, it was about your behavior and your habits, not, yeah. not even necessarily your skills. Although you could say, okay, if we practice our habits enough, they become skilled. Which is fine. But I mean, it's, it's, as you said, fundamental behaviors that create the perception in the minds of those people that are bored of, <laughs> bored out of their skulls <laughs> as they wait for you to make your third pitch. Yeah, by not pitching, by doing yeah. something different at that point in time, asking questions instead, yeah, you suddenly become memorable in a way that you wouldn't have been otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there are things that I used to do at the end of each, well, every presentation. And so, so when I'd finished and all of the all of the business had been discussed, I used to make a point at the end of each meeting of looking at at every one of these uh, directors, C-level execs, and senior investment bankers, and just just restating, look, guys, this is a, a an intensive transaction. It's it's very important to you, and it's very important to me as well. And there's a lot of moving parts. It could potentially go wrong, but if it did, I want you to know that I've got your back. I'm I, I'm going to be here from the start to end, and everything I've said will happen. Now, I, I could normally tell at that point if I'd won the deal. I mean, if they were sort of nodding and, and, and really happy and, and, you know, Lee, we really appreciate that. And, and I've made that connection. You know, I'm, I'm talking to them. I'm communicating on the level that they need someone to communicate with because they've got three other options here. But who's got their back? So, so just all of these little things that you do, they tend to add up to a big thing. You know, when you walk in, you read the room better. You're able to communicate concisely. When they ask you a straight question, you give them a straight answer. Mm -hmm. And then you communicate with their other agenda, which is, I'm looking at a bunch of sales reps here. No one really cares about my business. Well, one of them's just said how much he does care. You know, you start to add up all of these little things. And it it comes out to an overall consensus of someone that they want to work with. Yeah. Perception is really really powerful in that regard. Um, Yeah. All right, so I want to talk about something else in the, the time we've left us in this mm. segment, is, is, which I thought was interesting in the book you brought out about how to choose your, your job and for sales reps to choose their job. And, and what you talk about really is you say how to choose what product to sell next. And I think it was an interesting perspective because you know, I tend to think of most uh, sales people that I've uh, interviewed for jobs and over the years is they seem to be driven more by the company 
uh, necessarily than the product. And so I thought that was an interesting perspective to say, okay, what are you choosing to sell next? Yeah. Well, look, it's, um, it's, it's just how I navigated my way through the industry. So I looked for products that were low on low in product adoption. So they were new. Um, and I, I did that on purpose because I liked to be early on in a business or a division and I liked to build that up. And what it typically means is that you join teams that are smaller and you get to have a big contribution to the culture of that team and that product. Um, and that always excited me. So, so when the book went into editorial review, um, it kind of dawned on me, uh, people were reading it and going, I just can't believe how much preparation you do before you join a company. And to me, it was kind of obvious. I mean, one of the biggest challenges of writing the book is, is taking what's obvious to you and, and quantifying it. Um, but intrinsic to me overachieving my targets and my goals in my career was being involved with the right product and being, a product that, being involved with a product that kind of suited my personality type as well. So I looked for products that were low on the adoption curve. I looked, I think there's 10 key markers that I share. But I looked for certain key markers of a company, and um, I tried to just see if there was a good culture fit with my personality type. Um, so, so that's, that, that's the, the premise behind that section. The level of preparation that I do, and I think I mentioned earlier, I, I view, it, I view working, in, working at all as an investment of my time. A customer, when you, when you pitch to a customer, every time you pitch to a customer, as you know, it's an investment of their time. Well, it's an investment of my time, too. So if I'm going to come into a business and give my heart and soul to a business, and, and I'll, uh, for a number of years, I was working over 100 hours a week in sales. Now, if I'm going to do that, I want to make sure that I pick it really carefully. So I looked for these specific companies that, that could support my earning potential, could fit my personality type, and uh, you know, I felt was a good match for both of us. 100 hours a week. Well, you need to read Jill Conrath's new book, More Sales, Less Time. Well, I, I worked, I, I just mirrored what my clients worked. So I worked with the investment bankers and, and a lot of these deals, they were, you were in the office all night, night after night until the deal transaction, the filing date had, had approached and the deal was listed. So I, I did, I was one of the team. That's the way I saw it. And that's mm -hmm. how I wanted them to view me. So I just, I just fit the mold. That's all I did. I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily enjoy it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I did enjoy doing a good job. So it was, it was important to me. <laughs> you um, also talk about, uh, in the book, about salespeople being intimidated by cold calling. Yep. And uh, somewhat, you know, contradictory to what a lot of sort of accepted best practices are, is, you know, you say you don't believe in scripting for cold calls. So... Why is that? Well, I, I don't personally believe in scripting, Andy. It's, this is all the, the whole book is is my approach. Oh, sure. So yeah. I'm not telling anyone else. But but why don't I like it? I don't like it because uh, I forget what I'm saying. And when I forget what I say, well, I used to forget what I was saying when I started. So it's the process of how I learned to call effectively is one of the sections. And uh, as I was calling, uh, uh, the minute someone took me off the script, I'd panic. So I, I, for me, it was better to be able to try and internalize the message that I wanted, wanted to communicate and then deliver that message. And the message was quite simple. I've got a product that's very relevant to what you do. I'd love to tell you a bit about it. 
And then, then the conversation can go where it wants to go as long as I haven't scripted it. Because I, I find that if I scripted it, I'm, I pray they're going to ask me the next question that fits my, my little script. So for me, it was uh, a big uh, relief to come off the script and be able to communicate just as I do, a, as I do with you now, as a human being. So, and I found that when I started to talk to people as if they were just human beings and really care about their, their needs and expectations, I didn't need to script it. I just asked logical, re- rational questions to be able to get to the end goal. Yeah, so. well, I think that that's, that's sort of the, I think, key point, sort of a challenge we have for inside sales reps, sales development reps, business development reps, mm. is... Yeah, I listen to recorded calls quite a bit, and of, and they just don't sound natural. Yeah, and if it doesn't sound natural to the ear, then it, and sounds stilted, it's going to sound that way to the prospect as well. Now, in some cases, maybe the only choice the prospect has in terms of <laughs> buying that particular product or service, because maybe everybody is selling with the same level of people, but it seems like there's really an opportunity for sales reps to, to do sort of what you did is to say, yeah, how do I internalize this so that it's, it's comes across as natural, not scripted? Yeah. I, I took a call the other day. I've taken, well, we, we discussed this before air, but, but I've taken a number of sales calls recently. One of them was the most beautiful, you know, I, I was so proud of the chap that called me because he just called me like uh, a human being and explained uh, who he was and, and the purpose of the call. And, he, he was sincere and he executed a, a, a non-pushy, uh, a well-executed process. You know, at the end of it, I said, I just want to congratulate you on, on, on a beautiful sales call. I'm a salesman. And I appreciated that. Made his day. But then I've taken some recently that, that one of them decided that but rather you didn't, than... you didn't buy anything, though. Uh, I didn't buy it because I didn't have a need for it. But <laughs> if I did, I can tell you now I'd have chosen him. Right. And if I do have a need for it, I'll call him back. Great. That, that, that's who I'm calling. So... So, you know, and I've taken them recently where, where people have, have not even bothered to look at my website address, even though it's right in front of them, and then try and educate me on what a CRM is. I mean, we were laughing at this before we went on air. So, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I, I despair for one and I'm, I'm proud of the other. But, but really, it comes down to, you know, for me, being a top salesperson in my career, um, I, it isn't a process that motivates me to be able to uh, communicate with someone in that way. I would view it disrespectfully not to have viewed that, that website. I would feel embarrassed to ring someone up having not looked at all of the resources at my, at my disposal. It's not a process that tells me to do that. It's me as a human being. It's respect for respect for the buyer's time. Absolutely. uh, And anybody, anybody. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's that that's maybe a difference if you can have that kind of moral fiber and combine it with a with a good process and the ability to to um, internalize your message and communicate it sincerely. You've cracked it. Yeah, that's the way I see it. All right, excellent. My guest today, Lee Bartlett, author of a new book called The Number One Bestseller. <laughs> it's very <laughs> humble, isn't it? It's very humble. <laughs> it's just like uh, yeah, Anthony Anarino's new book, The Only Sales Guy You Ever Need. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was actually, I, I changed the name. And I'll, I'll venture uh, that neither uh, one is true. But go ahead. Yeah, that's right. You're probably right. Um, but I changed the name at the last minute. It was actually called Confessions of a Top Salesman for the entire time that I wrote it. But uh, I just didn't like it. It didn't sit well. So I was on the phone to someone. I said, oh, you know, this is going to be like the number one bestseller. Well, <laughs> it I mean, kind of stuck. So Yeah, I mean, the thing is, yeah, you put that out there in conversation. I can guarantee you, people listening to the show, I'm sure most, most of them have gone to Amazon and said, what's the number one bestselling sales book? 
So yeah, exactly. it's not leave. Hmm. So, um, yeah, we're inadvertently selling books for someone else. So, okay. Got some standard questions for you. I ask all my guests. And sure. first one is hypothetical scenario. You've just been hired as, and this is hired as vice president of sales for a company whose sales have stalled out. And yep. uh, CEO is anxious to reset button, get things back on track. So, what two things could you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Uh, talk to the the customers of of the the well, talk to my customers mm-hmm. and get get their perception of what's going wrong with the business. That would be the first thing I would do, uh, and then the second thing I would do would be to go back and deliver that feedback to the entire team and and uh, plug the gaps and make sure that we're you know realign the two things immediately because something's going wrong okay very so, concise gosh i think you won an award yeah. for most concise responses it was good i like that thank you so okay. uh now we've got some rapid fire questions you can give me one word answers or elaborate sure. first one is when you lee are out selling yep. what's your most powerful sales attribute uh, caring who's your sales role model My customer. That's who, my best teacher. Ah, love that answer. Okay. Yep. Besides your own, one book every salesperson should read. Um, uh, crush it. Gary Vaynerchuk. Crush just very for, just, just for motivation, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And yeah, I thought the, the, the if the blank space went much, much longer, I was just going to edit in my own title. And uh, so that's the default. When guests can't answer, it's one of my books. I give I gave that real thought. You, you know that I really put thought into that. All right, last question for you is: What music's on your playlist these days? Uh, Ed Sheeran "Photograph" is the song that was playing mm-hmm. before we got onto the the podcast. Yeah, very good. All right, mm-hmm. isn't he like? being sued for plagiarism is he is that someone else no he's, he's somebody sued him too everybody's being sued these days everyone's huh? getting sued yeah yeah can't keep up with it i don't know it's on a scale i mean eventually i gotta start repeating <laughs> great song though it is a great song all right good well thank you for being on the show lee bartlett thank you very much so tell people how they can get in touch with you thank you for having me andy i really appreciate it uh my website my new website lee bartlett bestseller.com uh, my uh, Twitter handle, number one bestseller. Uh, LinkedIn, please do connect on LinkedIn. Love to hear from you guys. Uh, yep, and uh, I'm out there. So, uh, so got another book coming out end of next year, the number one best startup. Working on that at the moment. Um, Excellent. Okay. Yeah, would love to love to connect with anybody. Thank I, you, Andy. I sense a theme. <laughs> so good. Well, thank you, Lee. And remember, friends, thank you for spending your time with us today. And remember to make it a part of your day every day. To deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And easy way to do that, take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Lee Bartlett, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.